Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Today I sit down with space flight analyst for Space News Pod, Neil Thorne, and we talk about SpaceX's latest innovation, the Starship, and the orbital flight test that will be happening in about the next few weeks to the next month. So sit back and relax as we have this discussion between Neil and myself about the Starship. Now let's talk about Starship and the orbital flight test. There we go. All right, cool. So they've been building this thing for years and they've been on the cusp of possibly launching the Starship in 2021, another time in 2022. And now we're here in 2023, March, April 5th, we're recording this. And possibly on April 10th was the initial due date for a potential launch of Starship. But there's been a lot of activity for the orbital flight test down at Starbase recently. And we're going to get into a little bit of that. And what do you like? What's going on down there? It's ramping up. It must be so exciting to be in SpaceX's offices these days, whether you're in California or in Texas. It'd be amazing to be going through all the last minute checks and triple checking, quadruple checking every valve and every little thing that goes into these rockets just to make sure that everything's going to be okay. We're just over two years past SN11's uh, fatal crash above the, long, the landing pad. Two years is a long time. Let's get this thing going. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's got to be, it's going to be a spectacle. And as Elon said, it's going to be excitement guaranteed. So whether it makes it off the pad and clears the tower, that's going to be incredible. But there's been like, there's been so much work done from when I was down there, like in 2021, like the late stages of 2021 through 2022 early, where everything was bare bones and we were expecting a launch to now where there's cladding around the launch mount. It's protective cladding. Like you can't even see any of the pipeworks anymore. Everything's protected. It's, it's been interesting to watch the evolution of the orbital launch mount. It was all open, as you say, and uh, there were just six legs holding this thing up in the air. And since they started doing static fires on top of that, they've started to add more protection to the legs and more structure to the legs. And now we've got cladding around the outside. I think that the fire from these engines is going to do more damage than they originally thought it would. So they're really trying to beef that up. Yeah, and but it's all. From, oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay, so we saw from the Artemis One launch too that there was so much damage to the mobile launch tower from that rocket, and that was designed by engineers to withstand that blow. And it's like there's a trench under that to deflect the heat, and there's a water deluge system. That things. is the main thing that this is missing for sure. Yeah, yeah. and. There's little sprinklers, like little bird feeder sprinklers down there at Boca Chica at Starbase. And yeah, the damage could be substantial for the initial launch. So that's the one the thing that I've always wondered about with SpaceX. Certainly they don't have a flame diversion trench, which is something. And that their reasoning for it is, uh, is valid, I guess. And there's a very high water table where they are. And they think that the height that they've got it at is enough. But the deluge system they have seems very underpowered to me. Even with the flame diversion trench in Florida, the amount of water that pours into there during a launch is incredible. And it, we just don't seem to have that down in Texas. They do have the pipes. It seems like they, they brought the water deluge system to Boca Chica, to Starbase, but they haven't hooked it up yet. 
So either that wasn't some sort of water deluge system, or maybe they brought the things over there to do a water deluge system. And then they figured that it couldn't work for some reason. The engineers saw the equipment firsthand and thought it wouldn't work for some reason. And they just were just like, we can't do this here. We still have to launch this thing because we still have to do an orbital flight test. But what's going to, what's going to happen when they do launch this. And right now they're at a point, they just stacked up a ship 24 on top of booster seven so they have a full stack of the booster and the rocket and the, or sorry, in the upper stage ready to go. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And all signs pointed to a launch around the 10th or 11th, which we know now is probably not going to happen more than likely not going to happen, but it doesn't seem like there's any wiggle room here. Like they have to get everything ready to go for this launch. And I don't think they're going to wait a I couple months done. to put this deluge. Like, yeah, we're done with go. new things being added. Yeah. Absolutely. There's nothing yeah. new going to be added to this system at this point. They've got it to a point where everything works, as far as I can tell, and as far as they could test it. But uh, yeah, we're not going to be adding any new systems to what they've got down there at this point. It's too late in the, in the run here. They're just going to have to see how the orbital launch mount handles this in the end and see what kind of damage is done afterwards. There's still the uh, the object the first object of this launch is to get past the tower without blowing up we could see a very damaged tower at the end of this if if nothing if something goes horribly wrong i guess they're expecting some damage yeah i think they're expecting some damage but i in the other thing is with that damage like how substantial will that be will they be set back three four months and they kind of they know what's going to happen more than likely going to happen to these systems so they probably figure that into their next builds if yeah. something happens to the orbital launch mount they already have one at kennedy space center that they're working on that should be done within a year so if it's going to take six months to a year to build this one back up of course they'll continue working here but the kennedy space center one they'll keep building that over there as well because they need more than one place to to launch these for and, sure and um, yeah, i don't think that they're very worried about the damage i know that yeah. you know there's going to be some damage that's why we're seeing all this extra cladding put on they believe that there's going to the potential for damage is there but remember they want to launch several of these this year from texas so i don't think that they're going to build in a six-month rebuild schedule unless something really bad happens unless that like the tower gets really damaged or something along those lines so i think that they're expecting some damage but it's probably something that can be replaced within a month I hope so. With the hundred, I'm assuming it's hundreds of yards of wiring and cables and pipes and things like that. It would, if they just obliterated that orbital flight mount, or orbital mount, it would be, it would take a long time to fix it. I, Absolutely. I'm guessing if it goes like completely bad, completely, and everything gets fried, all the pipes, all the wires, everything, but they have schematics, but it's going to take, it'll, it would take months to rebuild everything, but that's why that cladding is there, the protection. So that doesn't happen, hopefully. And yeah, everything is, everything that's not underneath that cladding is ex expected to get fire blown yep. on it from 33 engines yep. and it's, and it should be able to last and withstand that. I think that there's, it's just, as you say, those, an insulated wire behind that cladding, that's not behind a metal shield. That's what they're worried about. And, but that's also some of the stuff that's easiest to replace as well yeah they have a team of professionals yeah. down there that can do it the beauty it. of the orbital launch mount is that everything's underneath that cladding everything's open yep. there's a lot of space behind there to work in everything kind there's nothing sort of i'm sure there's some stuff on top of each other but 
Not much. Everything's attached to the inside of that launch mount, one deep, if you will, so that's all accessible. It looks like it, to me anyway. Yeah, it seems there's plenty of room to, to fix things up. Yeah. It would just take the extra effort to get the pipes rebuilt and the wires rewired and things like that. But I don't want to be all doom and gloom on this thing because it's going to be a phenomenal launch. And there's the FAA safety evaluation seems to be complete at this point, but there's one one legal review I think is underway and there's an environmental issue. I heard it issue was an environmental issue was the to close biggest out. one I heard of. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know what that is. I haven't seen what exactly that is. So I don't know how long that's going to take to close out or you know, what they need to do. So we can only speculate of when the next time they could fly this or when the first time it would be to fly this thing. Yeah, I think we'll hear in the next two days. It's Wednesday today. I think by Friday, I think we'll have that launch license in hand. I think so too. I think it'll happen. We, SpaceX. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. us us fans of SpaceX, the yeah. public that loves this thing. Eric Berger said, for what it's worth, SpaceX has told NASA it's targeting April 10th with backup days of April 11th and 12th for the Starship orbital flight test. None of this is official without a launch license and that the usual caveats apply. Who knew when Hop applied to more than Easter bunnies? <laughs> <laughs> but then an FAA spokesperson said that April 10th date's appearance on the agency's uh, plan advisory should not be interpreted as an indicator that a determination to issue a license has been made or is forthcoming. But they also said that before the uh, other launch licenses for the uh, experimental craft, the starships that launched and landed, they were saying those kind of things. And they just happened for some like reason, a couple they days keep later. The cards very close to their chest. Don't yeah. They? The FAA, yeah. They don't want to give anything away or release any information that people could actually use and run with, withhold onto their power as long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But then but they you know had, what? they've got to make sure everything's safe and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. T's are crossed and the dies, eyes dotted. Yeah. And they have a, a space operations warning for a starship on the 10th and the 11th through 12th. It seems like it's not going to be then. But at least we know it's coming really soon. And there's a, what is the, what's the airborne science program? B, a WB-57 plane slated for the 10th and 11th to do imaging for it. Yeah. And but, they had a helicopter delivered to SpaceX as well last week. Yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah, they're ready. They've got the, their drones in the sky and a human operated drone as well now. Yeah. So they're ready to go. They're getting ready. I shouldn't say they're ready to go, but they're getting ready to go. They're showing every indication that something really is on the horizon real fast, real fast. Yep. Yep. It's important to note that Sunday is Easter as well. For a lot of the people that work at SpaceX, they probably won't be working on Sunday. So having a flight on Monday is, that's a long shot from that perspective. Yeah. Because people are going to be off unless SpaceX makes them work, which is highly doubtful. They're not in a hurry here other than needing to get things going. But they're not on a daily day hurry. They're on a month to month, year to year hurry. Yeah, exactly. They're getting ready for the lunar lander missions and they're getting ready for Starlink missions. And that, that takes years. Another yeah. indicator that I found that they're not going to launch on the 10th is the road closure for the 10th from Cameron County is a non-flight testing activities on April 10th between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. And it also alternative dates of the 11th and the 12th. So it seems not going to fly on the 10th because that Cameron County, they would say space flight activities and they'd be like, get out of here. We cannot <laughs> have you down here, people. 
we're going to close this road for miles and you're not allowed in. Seems like not quite sure when, but I'm assuming in the next few weeks, uh, people are saying the 17th. There's some rumors that it's getting pushed back about 10 days altogether. Maybe I wouldn't be surprised. 420. I, be surprised. I mean, <laughs> maybe 420. Here we go. April 20th. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Elon, so you never know. Which would be, I mean, if that were the case, is that it would Elon, be though? pretty. Is it Elon or is it not Elon? It's a bunch of people. But if Elon had his say, Perhaps, the exact yes. date. <laughs> he would probably yeah. meme it up. I'm, I'm guessing it. it's more Gwen than Elon at this point. A hundred percent down yeah. there. Yeah. He would laugh if it were, if it were slated for 420. Uh, yep. But also we have to remember that most of the time these launches don't happen the first time and that things can get sidetracked and like they could find something wrong with the rocket or the fueling or the ground systems. And it could be pushed back like the SLS launch a month or two. For sure. Just to fix a Absolutely. something, something or other. There could definitely be something wrong. Now, SLS is a bit different though. SLS was a one shot, one go. This is our only chance yeah. situation. Everything had to be 100% perfect. We already know that S24 and B7, Booster 7 are outdated technology as far as SpaceX is concerned. These are rockets that have been around for a long, or rocket pieces that have been around for a long time now. They're moving on. They're building ship 30 or something like this at this point. They've changed a lot of things already. These are iterative rockets and testing that they have already changed things that they we have we don't know what they've changed specifically, but these are not the same rockets they're building today. Yeah. So that yeah, that's a really so great point. Just throw it up in the air is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to SLS, which had to, you only get one shot at the SLS. That's true. Yeah. Because you don't have extras. Yeah. Like you said, there's up to 30 at this point and then they're going to be building more. They don't even have enough room for everything inside. Like everything has to be moved to the other, like to the rocket garden or yeah. down the way to the old Massey's gun range. And they'll just store them like in a dirty dusty area where it's super hot. Like it is so it's dirty so there. It's so dusty to everything else we see. Oh from, my gosh. These clean rooms and everything or whoever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just getting pelted by sand and just and all salt the time. air, salt air. And which just is the, the absolute heat, worst the thing sun, right? all the time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a wild process. It's brutal. It's yeah. brutal down there. But that's why I think you see ships get decommissioned before they get a chance to fly. Is it S-26 that got decommissioned already? I can't remember which one it was, but one of them got pulled away and, and taken apart. They just can't sit around. They can't sit around for six months and expect it to fly again. So just because it's a harsh environment, it really is. Yeah. And anything could go wrong yep. in this sort of environment. If it could go wrong, a cable, a nut could, could freeze up due to corrosion or whatever. Stuff. It's the all made smallest stuff in these rockets is yeah. the problem. It's the wiring that the smallest the wire yep. is more susceptible to solid air than the exterior of the hull, which is visible and easy to see. So yeah, it's it's a delicate operation down there. Yeah, it really is. They just did a uh, cryo test on Booster Seven to make sure that all the plumbing of the ground systems worked and the plumbing inside Booster Seven is still functional before they stacked Ship Twenty Four on top of it. So that seems to be good. That um, was a full test. Yeah. 100% full. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to see these rockets not implode or explode when they're doing these tests anymore. Remember back then, the original original versions of Starship that would just explode <laughs> for no reason. Amazing. 
Not for uh, no yeah, reason. And, and pieces would fly for miles. Like this yeah, shrapnel of like steel yeah. would fly for miles. The good ones, the ones, my favorite are the implosions. You just, it's so cold inside that the exterior air just squeezes it, <laughs> squishes it like a, a, a an orange in your hand. It is spectacular. If anything, you know, this orbital flight test, anybody that's listening to this or watching this, if you have no plans to watch this orbital flight test, I urge you to go to SpaceX's YouTube channel and subscribe to it and get a notification when when this launch is going to happen. Because if anything, it's going to be dramatic and it's going to be one of the most exhilarating rocket launches when it happens that you'll ever see because this is, you do this not know what's going to happen. The most powerful rocket ever launched. Yes. Ever. It, it, it could be. So far could, it's SLS. It could be amazing. This will take it over. Yep, this will be the most powerful. and By a private company. Yeah. Did you hear about That's the rover incredible. that they're sending on a Starship too, by the way? You mean later on in 2026? In 2026, yeah. yeah they're absolutely. sending a rover. That's incredible. Like a private company that builds private rovers is going on a private rocket on a private mission to the moon in the company that's building it. What is it called? Astrolab. I saw the system, and I know we're getting a little bit off topic here from Starship, but this is a, it's a really cool system. And it's building on the technology of old moon rovers and like the way that they got the data from the original moon missions, they're building on that, but they're also using this rover and the starship, which is the lunar starship version to build colonies on the moon for NASA. If they get the uh, the government contract, but if they don't, they have other private companies that will kind of ride share on this rover and you'll be able to do scientific experiments on it. I thought it was a pretty cool kind of sidebar about what the starship is going to be capable of in the future. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. Uh, and it's one of the reasons that the lunar starship uh, won the competition to be the lunar base, as it were. There's just so much more space for activities inside this thing. You can fit a rover in there as well as all the astronauts that you want to send. You can fit all kinds of things inside this starship that you wouldn't be able to fit in the other competition that was out there. Yeah. So some of their promotional videos that they show shows tons of cargo being lowered down from the starship, which we know that's, it's capable of doing that. But then also a couple of astronauts pop out of the thing and get on the rover and drive over to the moon base that these rovers automatically created autonomously while the astronauts were inside and like safely inside of the starship. So absolutely. So this recently first watched, launch is going to be recently watched it. We're going off topic again here. We're back. We're on the moon now all of a sudden. Yeah, we launched this thing. We're on the moon already. <laughs> but uh, I watched a video recently about a 3D home printing company down in, I believe it was Arizona, but they're building a hundred homes with these 3D printers. They have seven gigantic 3D printers that are printing, I don't know, 1500, 2000 square foot homes, but using this sort of fast drying concrete. That, oh, they, wow. that they make on site. And uh, it just, everything's, everything that you're looking at screams moon, Mars, right? This is how they're going to build this stuff. This is how it's, what it's going to look like. And they're really quite beautiful. They leave the interior and exterior as the sort of formed concrete. That That's the texture of the interior walls. So it's got this sort of two centimeter high concrete layer, I guess, as the 3D printer goes across. And they just got layered up. So it's all imperfect. It's all sort of very organic and it's beautiful. And uh, that's it's cool. exactly how they're going to do this on the moon as well as Mars. 
this is how we're going to get our bases built is using this technology for sure. Yeah, I think so too. And Starship will be able to transport those things because it's such a massive rocket. It'll be able to transport those 3D printers to the moon surface, which Absolutely. just seems incredible to me that this is going to become a thing and it's going to happen because of this launch within the next, I'm going to say 30 days, just because you never know what's going to happen like, with these launches. <laughs> we went from the 10th to the 17th yeah, and now, from we're, the 10th to 17th, now we're in May. 30, you, ne <laughs> you never know because postponements, you could scrub a launch, something could happen. There's automated systems that could stop a launch within what was it? There was a rocket. I forgot. Maybe was it Rocket Lab? I can't remember who it was, but they just did a scrub at 0, 0.00. And yeah. it was like milliseconds before the launch because they found something wrong with the rocket. And that could happen with Starship too. Like they have those same systems in place where it could, it might not launch, but when it does, it's going to be a beautiful thing. And the boosters. It's so nice to be talking about days or weeks rather than. I don't know when, or perhaps next year. <laughs> yeah. It's so exciting. And it doesn't matter what day it actually launches for me. I just know what's going to happen. And that's so exciting. You yourself, you spent a year down in, in Texas following this rocket and this system and this company, and uh, you didn't get to see this launch. Uh, it took an extra year and a half beyond what we thought it was going to be. And uh, it's a shame, but that's the way things are. But here we are. We're almost there. Yeah, we're real close. So just quick reminder of what's going to happen during the launch. The booster will carry the starship off the pad. They'll go over the Gulf. This is a really brief version. They'll yeah, go over the Gulf of Mexico. 33 Raptors. Oh yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be massive. Then the booster is going to land in the Gulf of Mexico somewhere and soft landing, hopefully. And the starship will go all the way towards Hawaii and land in the Pacific ocean and a naval in a naval base area. And that'll land in the water as well. So it's going to be a significant launch for SpaceX to test their landing thrusters as well. And not just the launch itself, but the landing of these. I certainly the hope the they booster. do. I certainly hope they do. They'll be happy just to get this ship into almost orbit. They're not intending to go all the way, all the way to orbit speed, but it'll be nice just to, for them just to get it at that point and not recover any of these things or not test any of the landing stuff, that would be, it would still be a huge win for them. But I really hope they do try and try and do a soft landing on the ocean with the booster as well as Starship if they get that far. But think, there's so many things that could go wrong that any of that stuff is just gravy. Yeah. So, once they get to did orbital, you see the, are they making just, it to orbital velocity? I, don't remember if we talked said. about this, I think in a previous show, I hope that they try and get the orbital velocity and then slow it down. They do have a long time up there it's 45 minutes around the earth. So they should have enough time to get up to speed or at least close to it. We'll have to see what they decide they want to do. Yeah. Did you see the launch orbital flight maps that they've got out there? This is the area that a ship shouldn't be in and that sort of thing. Going through the Gulf, you've got, it goes just south of Florida. Um, this, the sort of the launch trajectory. And then as it lands, it'll be going from the Southwest to the Northeast, East, Northeast, just North of Hawaii and North and South West of Hawaii as well. Really cool to see those maps and understand exactly how this thing's going to fly. And we'll have to see what happens. Do you think you'll be able to see the rocket in Key West if you're way down South? Cause it's going to go right underneath Key West and like absolutely. right across. You I think you'll be able to see it. it. Absolutely. Yeah, that would yep. be a cool road trip, man. Once they announce it, 
We'll see what the budget's yeah, it's, it's heading right between Key West and Havana. I'm on the East Coast. There's nothing like taking a quick trip down to Florida to Key West to have a little vacation and watch a rocket launch. Watch the starship fly overhead. <laughs> <laughs> Off you go. Yeah, that would be fun. Take me um, with you in your suitcase, would you? All right. That's cool. You'd have to <laughs> you'd have to do some sneaky. We'd have to sneak you down here. <laughs> and then we, we get the, the border like, isn't closed. You were human Canadians are allowed through the border at this point. Well, I thought you were going to do the whole mission in a suitcase. Excuse oh, okay. okay. <laughs> that would be bad. That you probably That's just for the flight down there. Oh, okay. Uh, that's not too bad then. You could just you take a flight to Key West. That would work too. Yeah. I'm not flying. I would rather drive. I think it would be fun to drive down there. So this orbital flight test, Eric Berger had a thing that he talked about on Twitter, which was, I was concerned about this too. And I've been concerned about this for a while is that SpaceX launch license more than likely coming this week or really early next week. Eric Berger said the real risk that he's heard about is a last minute civil lawsuit and the F issues a license in a civil suit is immediately filed for environmental reasons. And it's possible a judge would issue a temporary injunction. Then he says SpaceX is very close to being ready. Technically, they'll make a decision soon about whether they're ready to proceed with the launch. This is April 4th that he said this or need to step back for a few more days to review data ahead of the attempt. But barring legal action, this thing is happening this month. So if something does happen, if an environmental group or somebody halts this launch due to environmental reasons. Um, if it's anything like the last one, there's could be a delay of months and SpaceX going to sit around and wait for this. Or do you think they're going to move operations to Kennedy space center at this point? Because if it's going to be six months to a year, could they just be like, you know what, Texas, thanks, but we got to move because you guys are not treating us well. I don't know. It seems like a seems like one of those things that is a total possibility and it will probably happen. There will be something. And if a judge goes, eh, let's wait till after the launch and then see what happens. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, they've done other launches in the past of test rockets and whatnot, and this hasn't happened. Also had the opportunity, the public had the opportunity to submit their issues over the last two years and get them looked at and reviewed and answered by SpaceX. I wonder if anything, it'll be a ploy to just delay it a little while. And nobody's more environmental than I am, but I just, I feel like they've already had their opportunity Anybody who would be interested in delaying it that for that reason, they've had their opportunity to speak and uh, SpaceX has had their opportunity to answer. And we're almost at the point of a license being issued based on those questions and those answers. Yeah. Uh, I, this I license isn't coming out of nowhere. It's two years in the making. So I think that's, I think, yeah, it's possible that somebody might try and delay it for that reason, but I think it's just a delay. I don't think that it's something that's going to stop the program in Texas. Yeah, I'm more concerned with the delay than I am them actually moving. It was just a hypothetical. Then they mm -hmm. have to, they had to do 77 things, I think it was, for the environmental PEA to appease the last F stakeholder agreement or engagement for the, I forgot what it was, the environmental review and permitting process. So I think it was 77 things. Altogether, but yeah, they passed we've everything been through this so, already. Yeah, yeah, we've been through this. We've done it. We had SN11 explode over the landing pad and send debris everywhere. All that stuff has been answered. All those potential issues have been discussed and dealt with. It, it seems to me it would be more petty at this point than it would be practical.
Yeah, I agree with you. It's more like a, oh, come on at this point. <laughs> so, oh, you're really going to do this? Okay. Yeah. At some point you have to say, what do we have to do next? Because it, they've already done, they've already answered all of the questions that were raised. Why would we have to answer more? Yep, exactly. There are environmental groups nearby that are that have spoken up, up numerous times, so many different ways on different platforms. Well, keep in mind, local news. keep in mind that Kennedy Space Center is sitting on a wildlife conservation area, right? There's no other issues there that don't exist in Texas with, but with the exception of perhaps certain species that lives in Texas and not in Florida, something along those lines, but it's the same scenario that you've got experimental rockets happening in, in not experimental, but you've got rockets flying in, in Florida, there's no really no difference to them flying in Texas. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm a hundred percent with you there. And I think that the, I think if the environmental agencies get involved or the FAA pauses this for some reason, or a judge pauses this, it'll be short. And I think SpaceX will be able to get through this pretty quickly and they'll be able to navigate it. And then maybe a month or so, and then we'll be back to launch cadence of I think they have a license for five or six per year down there. I forgot which yeah. one it is, but That'll it's going to be increased very fast. Yeah. Actually, if, if they're successful in this one, it will be extended very quickly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. it'll. And, and keep in mind that SpaceX isn't just sitting there with their hands or their fingers in their ears, not listening to anybody. They're well aware of all the issues that you just brought up and yeah. they're ready. Their lawyers are sitting there ready. Yeah, they're, they know what's going to happen. <laughs> they know yeah. exactly what these people and these groups are all about, and they know and, what and they can do to defend themselves. To a degree, themselves. these people and these groups, they have a point, right? They're, they We will have to make sure that the environment is cared for and is safe for all these launches and whatnot. They have very good points. However, the points have been answered. Yeah, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. And those people, they have they have their own freedom to to bring anything that they need to against SpaceX. But also, if it's not worthy, then SpaceX should fly this rocket. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait for it to freaking fly. There's one more historic thing in the Brownsville area. It's a lighthouse that is a concern because it's a historic lighthouse and it's off the right on the way into the island, South Padre Island. And I've seen it a bunch of times. It's beautiful but they're worried that the structural structure is going to shake and that it could cause some structural damage. And I'm not sure because they haven't done a lot of data. There's not much data out there yet because they've only done a 31 engine static fire so far of what this thing is actually capable of. And that wasn't even full power. Yeah. That's the only other thing I can think of that like some sort of historical agency or historic society could step in and figure out a way to, to do something to postpone this until they get more data. So that's all. That's all I how can think get, of. How do you get data like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you don't. You can't, I, I don't think you can <laughs> until can't. it actually you're, launches, right? Yeah. The only thing you can do is have a structural engineer go through and say, this is potentially what could happen. And here's the stresses that it could take. And this is stresses that it can't take. But even the structural engineer at that point is guessing uh, to yeah. a certain degree. They haven't put it through the structural test. They haven't put it through stress tests. And the only thing you can do is hope for the best. If anything does happen, maybe SpaceX jumps in and rebuilds it. That would be cool. Um, totally worth it yeah. to them. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. They have great engineers at SpaceX too, so they could probably beef it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll make it, they'll make it shiny and steal like a starship. At some point you've got to, you've got to understand if a 
structure is in danger of collapsing to an earthquake, which is basically what we're talking about here, right? It's just vibrations. Then it should be reinforced anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how many, how, what the seismic activity is down in Texas, but it must not be very much if it hasn't had any issues so far. Yeah. I don't think there's much going on down there as far as seismic yeah. activity. The only thing that I can think of is hurricane season, hard rains, wind, things like that have already beaten it up. I don't think any, like much of this 33 engine Raptor launch is going to do much to it in comparison to some of that stuff. Those are brutal. Some of those things are brutal down there. So who knows though? We'll see after the launch, but this is going to be, I'm excited, man. I, this is going to be one of the most exciting things as a space flight enthusiast that I will ever have witnessed since the space shuttle or even when I was a very small kid, when I was watching the Apollo launches and how, how it opened my eyes to what's, what's capable, what we're capable of. We can leave this earth finally, and we can go to the moon and this starship could possibly continue to do that in a rapid way. As times a year, we could send things to orbit and then to the moon, to Mars and wherever else we want to go in the solar system, apparently. According to SpaceX, it's going to be exciting. Well, keep in mind that we were very excited about Falcon 9 launches not that long ago. Uh, yeah. Now they're just commonplace. They happen every couple of days. And uh, most of the time we don't even realize it. Well, they get boring after a while because nothing goes wrong. Everything's perfect. Landing is perfect. I, I can't wait for the time where we get used to that and we get bored by SpaceX Starship launches. It's going to take a long because we've got, first of all, we've got to get through a launch schedule that they don't have any issues and they get home all right and everything lands perfectly. And then we go into the, to the moon and uh, we have all those missions to take care of. And those are going to be exciting. And uh, the whole time we're working on our Mars missions as well. So it's going to be a long time till we're bored with Starship, but at some point we're going to get to a point where we're bored with Starship and that's going to be fantastic. That'd be incredible. Most of the Falcon nine, and I hate to say this, but most of the Starlink missions and most of the missions that SpaceX has from a Falcon nine. I don't really watch them anymore. They're like, it's clockwork now. It's like watching somebody yeah. drive down the road. They're going to go 30 miles per hour through this zone. They're going to stop at that stop sign. They're going to make a right-hand turn more than, and then hmm. like, they're going to, everything's going to be I'm fine. I'm still fascinated by the landing of the booster. The landing. Yeah. That's the, I'm so fascinated by this seven story building, just landing upright on this barge out in the ocean. Yeah. It's ridiculously advanced and sci-fi to me. And I love it every time. I have not gotten bored by that in any way. That's the one but thing. the launches, yeah. The launch yeah. is like, yeah, oh, hum. Yeah. <laughs> the landings, though, yeah. I agree yeah. with you. 100% about the landings. Yeah. So eventually Starship will be there. And that'll be amazing. And we'll just watch a rocket get caught by some catch arms, lower down the booster, refurbish it a little bit, move it over, have the Starship land, put the Starship on top starship. of the booster. Yeah. Not a big deal. Launch again within the next day, 24-hour turnaround, possibly earlier, according to Elon. Could be hours. Elon yeah. time. Elon, <laughs> Elon time. Right, and that all starts, it all starts within the next few weeks, hopefully, of this first initial orbital flight test of Starship. So we're here to watch history. And like I said before, I urge everybody out there to go to SpaceX's YouTube channel and hit subscribe there and also... This YouTube channel, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button because it helps us out a bunch. But I 
think we covered it. Is there anything else we need to cover about uh, I believe today? the stars, I believe Sex's YouTube stream will be alive a half hour before launch when it does happen. Oh, right on. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And of be... course, there will be other YouTube channels that will have coverage as well. Yeah. But the official SpaceX channel, I believe, is a half hour beforehand. And they'll have the best coverage. 100%. They have fantastic views. Yeah. Yeah. They'll have drones. <laughs> they'll have helicopter. They'll have the close cameras in the launch pad. Yeah. They have fantastic views. They run it and like And of course, during the launch, ship. they'll have cameras all over the booster and the Starship as well. It's going to be quite the show. And not only that, they will have engineers that have worked on Starship more than likely doing the commentary or yeah. people that are really that close their, to that. That's, that's, their, the, that's their modus operandi. They always have those engineers as the broadcasters. Yep. So they're very well spoken and know what they're talking about. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. I think we're good with Starship stuff today. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Neil, for joining me today. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And hit the subscribe button or follow button on whatever platform you're on right now and help us out a little bit. That'd be great. Take care, everybody. And I will see you in the next one.